With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Join us on a journey to Stellantis. What does that mean? What does that even mean? It's like starry oh, sky or a cluster of stars or something. I just, I. Well, it, really? It is Stel- the Latin Stellantis? Verb Stello to uh-huh. brighten with stars. Yeah. And it's one of the most contrived corporate names I've heard of to this point. It's up there. It's way up there. Now, good news, everybody. This does not mean that vehicles themselves will have this Stellantis branding. Uh-huh. This is just the corporate now merger company under which FCA and Peugeot Group, PSA Group, will operate. They, yeah, they will so be So we're clustered. not getting Stellantis yeah. chargers and Stellantis yeah. minivans. And that, well, the st- it's yeah. terrible. It's, it's it, this is terrible. total corporate think happening right here. Uh, Stellantis, thank, uh, again, thank God it's going to be the parent company name and not the car company name because I agree with you. It sounds awfully contrived. Uh, did you some, see Mr. Negro's comment? I did, yes. That he feels like he gets a lot of messages saying he can have wealth and power beyond measure and meet Beyonce if he sends a money order for 250 to $1,000 to join Stellantis. Well, I saw that. Stellantis also saw him ask the question of if we preferred the Stellantis New Hope or the Stellantis Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I'm going to defer. Because because he's making it as a, it may be the new Star Wars it series could be. while we're there. I, you know, I'm for fine sure. with that, It too. probably is the name of the next Christopher Nolan movie after Tenet. Interstellar, Tenant, Stellantis. Okay. It makes sense. Stellantis, you can kind of see, kind of you know, it kind of works. Huh. But no, no, that is that is a car conglomerate. Stel- is it because every other thing you could think of was taken? Is it because what happens to movie names when people want to name mm-hmm. a movie mm-hmm. and there's a lot of movies out there that have been named, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. that is? You know, short names, one word names, long titles. So you have to kind of get around things, I'm yeah. sure. But that will always happen to future filmmakers who want to name their movies. Well, what happens if you look on IMDb and you look up certain movies, it will have a date beside them. Are American Originals this way? It has a, a year date beside it because Indeed. our American original name has been used on other documentaries well, and films through the years. Yes, and so that yes. one happened to be the 2018 one. Like People keep Nikita. reusing it. You know, it'll say you oh, know, yeah. the earlier version and the later version. They, yep. You know, multiple films are yeah, done this for sure, way. For sure, yep. Does that encroach on a copyright when they do that or by putting the date just kind of gets I'm, them off free? I'm honest. I've never really understood how the lawyers fight their way through that madness, but it does exist. But ultimately <laughs> – They get paid. Uh, yeah, either way. yeah, either way the lawyers get paid. They're all, they always get paid. No matter what Indeed. else happens in the situation, the lawyers got paid. They so uh, Stellantis, I don't know, man. I just – Stellantis. I, <sighs> the teasing – do they not understand that the teasing – Will be like schoolyard bullying for the rest of time. Well, but I also I also asked the question of did it need a big sexy name? It needed a name. If I they're going to merge, I guess, and that's just for corporate documentation. I suppose Stellantis. But can you imagine getting up on stage? I'm the president of. Still, I can't do it. Just well, but read I mean, the screen. yeah, I just all right. Peugeot, yes. Fiat, Chrysler, PFC. I mean, where, granted, that's private first class. FCP is first is Final Cut exactly. Pro. So we do have run into problems. I see it, but at the and same the time. Endless acronyms used by businesses worldwide. Yeah. Everybody has their own dictionary. So all of this to say, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to the world of Stellantis. I, I don't even know. Guys, we've got a TV Season 7 episode playing this Saturday, July 18th, 2020, and that is pickups from when we shot in Atlanta. It's called Real Life Trucks, and we compared the top three American trucks. So we had never really dove into trucks before and decided, 
let's drive them not as pickup truck things. We're not, yeah, you yeah. know, fixing barbed wire on the ranch. We're not hauling we're not logs hauling around. Things, yeah. And we're not launching them 200 feet off a of dune either. We drove them in downtown Atlanta. During rush hour, which, which I'll be honest, is the last thing they were designed for, but the first thing they often get used for. Mm-hmm. So yes, we did that. Also, yes. this was before, long before even the uh, rumored announcement, let alone the actual reveal of the new Ford F-150. So that new one, of course, is not in there, but it's still a good piece. And then next week is the first new episode from Season 7, which is going to be a very cool a daily fun car piece. But also this Saturday, while you're, while you're uh, recording that Pickups in Atlanta piece, there will be a YouTube drop of one of our older episodes. That is from Season 3. Uh, and that is the five-seat Phenoms. It was shot in Colorado. It's really beautiful. There's all kinds of weather. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun right up until we got hailed on. Yeah, I, I have a rant about elk, uh, so watch for that reason. <laughs> There's also the uh, the Subaru Crosstrek, the uh, Jeep Cherokee, and the Mazda CX-5 in that piece. It's a pretty cool one. Yeah. Stellantarians? Is that the people who inhabit the The Stellantians. Land? Stellantians. I think that's – yeah. St- on the, the planet of Stellantis okay. are the Stellantians. Yeah. This yeah, maybe mm-hmm. just this is going to be a movie. And, you know, what do they drive on they Stellantis? All have, they don't. They all wear the single body suits. They have a little star over one breast. Right, okay. Right. One pectoral muscle they has a little star. They don't drive any Peugeots or DS automobiles. That's, that's the irony. They, they there don't are, There drive. are no cars in Stellantis. Huh. Yeah. yeah. That is kind of The Stellantians, clever. they only fly, actually. They kind of hover. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Interesting. I'm writing the screenplay in my head Fantastic. as we speak. It's terrible. Yeah. I can't wait to not watch that movie. Guys, we've got a great car debate from Robert T. in Whitless Bay, Newfoundland, who writes to us about needing a non-Ford experience. He grew up in a <laughs> Ford family. Big his father and his family. grandfather were both Ford dealers, yep. and his history up to this point has been all Fords. Looking forward to that one for sure. We also have another, Ford word. We're going to go forward from Fords. Okay. We also have uh, Rodrigo after the break. Uh, he's writing to tell us about how much we've corrupted his life. He thinks for the better, <laughs> but you're still young yet, Rodrigo, so that may change. We also have a ton of questions. And then I had a weird experience the last couple of days. Okay. The Phaeton is, uh, is back in the shop. Because it decided to lose its mind again, it has multiple batteries. It, nobody. Yeah, it has multiple batteries. So uh, yeah, Phaeton's so that exists. Back in the shop. Uh, so I'm driving the Maserati. Yes, you are. Which I did not expect, but that was a car that you 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 were littered with cars in your driveway the last couple of days because we had, had three press cars in my drive. We had three press cars, and I had the Phaeton parked over here, and then you have your three, and it was it was madness. I took yeah. the Maserati, which my wife was actually disappointed because I'd been constant flow of press cars into the drive, and then she's like, "Oh, it's oh, it's the Maserati." But I've been driving that car, doing the mundane uh, tasks of life, which is pretty funny. So, because actually, the reason I'm driving that is because the Lotus is going in for tires. So there's right. just – unlike a constant right. rotation of car work right now. It's the middle of the summer. That's apparently what's happening. But all of this reminded me that the Miserati shirt yes. should be in everyone's closet. I agree. It's – honestly, it's super cool. It's not even the car that I own, and that shirt makes me laugh every time I see it or put it on. <laughs> it looks like the Maserati logo, except something went a little wrong. It's, it's, there's wilting or something. So is, if you want to go to everydaydriver.com, go to the store tab. You can find the Miserati shirt. I'm telling you. Here's the other thing about it. We found – that Paul did such a good job with the logo design on it <laughs> that we can only sell it ourselves. We are going to have some shirts right. going to be sold by Blipshift. Right. We're excited about that, but we will not be able to sell the Miserati shirt on Blipshift because it is just too close to the Maserati logo. But honestly, I'm going to go I there. It's never. also better. Well, thank you. So thank if you. you don't have a Miserati shirt, I'm putting it out there right now. As much as I like the Phaeton and as much as I like the Phaeton shirt, you need a Miserati shirt in your closet because I've driven the car now and I just keep laughing. <laughs> I'm hoping the good folks from Modena will discover this shirt at some point and we'll see what they say because as much as I have kidded Maserati mm-hmm. yeah. with this yeah. shirt, 
I'm a genuine fan of the brand. You now are now, yeah, for sure. Because I've enjoyed the car so much. I'm not a fan of all the products they make, and I've said true, that. True, true, yeah. Even Porsche. I'm I like Macans, but they're not as much of my favorites. So every brand has my likes and dislikes. Maserati's no exception. I don't love everything they make, but especially that MC twenty supercar that's coming. I know you're excited. Everybody's gonna go, Oh, you were right, Paul, we we love it too. Have now. you noticed that Beaver Teeth not now we say beaver teeth around here because you're tripping, o- you're tripping yes. over your own teeth to say yeah, it. Exactly. But beaver, beaver teeth in general is getting mentioned regularly on the internet. And whenever you guys listening find it, you <laughs> tag us. Thank you. I have actually seen a few places where as soon as something gets posted, the first comment on it is a tag to us. Which is fantastic. Which I, I yes. just love that it is out there, that it is starting to become common vernacular, whether it's teeth or teeth because you've tripped over them. It still makes me laugh. I hope I hope that BMW across the board in the halls of BMW has seen it now and are asking questions of themselves. <laughs> We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care since 1990. Griot's is also a family company based in Washington State, and they're dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care from Griot's. Now is the best time to tune up your car care routine. Foaming requires little to no work, and it also avoids some wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your ride. Try out the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code every day for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Here we go. An email from Robert T. came in. He has relocated to Whitless Bay in Newfoundland, Canada. He's been a listener for the last three years. Robert, thank you so much for writing, and thank you for being a listener and a fan of the show. He's got a car debate here, and he says for most of his life, he's been a Ford guy. His father and grandfather were both Ford dealers, and up until now, his history has included an 05 Focus ST, a 2013 Focus ST, and a 2018 Focus RS. Mm -hmm. He recently left the former family business and has moved from Ontario to Whitless Bay because they, he and his family, were not free to discover other brands, and they sold all the Fords except for one. Wow. He knew the roads there would not be kind to the Focus RS, so he traded it for a 2019 Kia Stinger GT all-wheel drive, GT2. What are you laughing about? What roads are kind to the Focus RS? Do those roads exist outside of like Spa, it's the racetrack? It's a little bit of a rally car, so I would it's think just, it's just it's, bash on that thing and see well, but, how it does. But, I, but I, I think it's the other way around. I think it's the fact that they're not kind in the Focus RS. It might be robust enough to put up it with them. It just beats you up. But Everything mm. but but perfect pavement like Spa is brutal in that car. Eh, k- kind of. And I don't know if you remember, but when they did the lap record of the ring in the Focus RS, they did not put it in the sports suspension mode. Yeah, that's true. What does that tell you? But anyway, so he got rid of the – sorry. He got rid of the Focus RS and he got a Kia Stinger. Keep going yes. with that story. That's well, he, good. Well, he bought this Kia based on our recommendations, so – I'm glad you like it. His wife has a 2019 Honda Pilot. He says this does family duty and hauling. And the fun car, which didn't get sold, is a 2011 Mustang GT500. He says, well, it's incredibly fun, and it's got cool history. He's had it five years, and 
At the time, he says, coming from a Ford family, they were looking at new Mustangs and mm-hmm. found that they could get the GT500. This is a car Robert had dreamed of for a long time, which is great. And then, you know, he says, I'm thinking because I've had it for five years and it feels like I have I need a non-Ford experience, sure, they're looking sure, around. Sure. Yeah. He found this car. He's been to Vancouver. He Oh, he found it in Vancouver yeah. and bought it based on pictures. It's been coast to coast on a train or a truck. So... His wife drives it occasionally, but is usually too nervous to drive it, giving the power mm-hmm. and some of the roads on her commute. He says, daily triples in third gear. Yeehaw. <laughs> so, <laughs> and? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm struggling I, yeah, with the that, problem here. But anyway, go just on. just more of a comment. Like, yes, as it does. He can sell the Mustang for what he bought it for five years ago. So he's got about $50,000 Canadian to spend. Okay. All right. Good, 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 good. He says, enthusiast vehicles can be hard to find on the island, mm-hmm. making finding or even doing drive homework challenging depending on the vehicle. And this will be the family fun car. It will likely not see winters. Okay. Robert's currently a stay-at-home dad after his wife stayed home for the first four years. And she travels into the town of St. John's for work. It's a 45-minute one-way commute with a mixture of roads. And he says, while the tool for the job that you and I argue, Todd, that you and I talk about. we do. He says, this could be argued, but his wife does not agree. (laughs) So the vehicle will need to have some utility. They regularly drive to his in-laws that are about two hours away with his five-year-old son and two small dogs, which makes four seats a must to make it more usable as a family. Okay. A manual is a must, too, as this will be the only manual in the fleet. And the Stinger was his first automatic since 07, and they both really are coming back to manual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His wife just wants something more muscle car-like and powerful. But here's the kicker. Robert feels like getting something else that is muscle car-like and powerful mm-hmm. would just be changing badges for a similar experience they have right now. So you'd like something special, unique, like the GT500 that might hold value too, but he says, what's the best move here? What? Where do I go next? Well, where I went was to Google Earth. I went to Google Maps. Mm-hmm. I'm there too. Interestingly enough, on Kenmount Road in the town of St. John's, just off Team Gushu Highway, <laughs> you can drop the little dude. <laughs> Where's, <There's, laughs> where'd the little dude go today? Where did the little dude go at Whitless Bay? Did you get him lost? Did you take him for coffee at Whitless Bay? <laughs> well, speaking of coffee. You I know just, what's there? Not much, but keep going. I went right across from the Starbucks to BMW of St. John's. Okay. But then I noticed, well, there's all kinds of car dealerships along this road right mm-hmm. in St. John's, Newfoundland. So I started out thinking the C8 Corvette could be fun. It could be interesting. Mm, it could okay. be delightful. Okay. The problem is it's out of your budget and it's not a manual. Well, and it's also only two seats, but yes. It's only two seats. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of problems with it, even though I think because it is so different than what you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would love it. Mm-hmm. So then I went searching around. I found the Toyota dealer. Thought, okay. How about a GR Supra? Okay. They're not manual at this time, you know, of this recording. Mm-hmm. They're only two seats. But I think you would love it. The pleasure of driving it, and because it is so different than what you have, the muscle car thing, you could justify it. Okay. Then I kept going up Kenmount Road. I love that you're walking up the road. I do. That's good. I love it. I found a Dodge and Chrysler dealership, thinking they might be able to service mm. if you bought one in Alfa Romeo, Julia Quadrifoglio. Yeah, I like that. It's this pretty close to the sticker, different. though. It's very different. Yeah, it is. Maybe awesome. used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a manual. It does have four seats, lots does, of power. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they could find somebody there trained to work on your Alpha. It's an FCA vehicle. Mm-hmm. But back to Starbucks, across the street from the BMW dealer, <laughs> BMW of St. John's. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought, the M2 competition manual is your car. 
It's funny because it's on my list. Is it? Yeah. There's a BMW dealer right there where you can have it serviced. Mm-hmm. So no fears there. You can get parts and service. Yep. And I'll bet you, even if you're finding a slightly used one, you could save a little bit of money, whether you buy new, whether you mm-hmm. buy used. This is the car that actually got compared a lot to the GT350 Mustang when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The driving yeah. experiences are very different. They're, it doesn't have that muscle car kind of feel. You can get it in manual. It is genuinely usable car. It's got mm-hmm. a trunk, four seats. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. It's two-door, but still, it's got four seats. I agree. Sh- I agree. Shuttle people around. I don't know. You could even do winter tires on that. I mean, it does have some pretty beefy wheels and tires. But he does could. say this is most likely never going to be out in the winter. Which is so totally fine. fine. Yeah, They've yeah. got that mm-hmm. that angle covered already. Plenty of car dealers along here. But yeah, I That's stopped at the BMW thinking, huh, this is great. And I went no further because mm-hmm. there is no Porsche dealership. That's funny. Well, a couple, couple of things strike me here. First off, I actually have noted in my notes here that the answer is probably M2. No kidding. Yep. Because of I just what want it you is, all to know that we do not consult we, each other we don't before the podcast begins right. Right. for this very purpose. Totally. Just to see if we align totally. or don't align or whatever. So I, I also think if you bought an early one before they go competition, which by the way, in the case of the M2, the competition version is a totally different engine. It's not just we tweaked it. We actually threw a different engine in it so yes. we get that old one off the shelf. Yes. So, but if you get an early one, there's nothing wrong with it. Watch our I'd BMW. Love that one too. Our, yeah, our BMW Icon right. film. You could get one for less money and easily get yourself an M2. So I think that is a really potentially the answer. But I want to sidestep for a second, Robert. And at this point, say hello to Robert's wife. Because here's my question. She commutes. You don't commute. You're buying a fun car for fun purposes. Indeed, yes. Okay. Yes. It doesn't have to even do winter duty. You occasionally go to in-laws two hours away, but you already have a Honda Pilot and a Kia Stinger. Yeah. Why on earth must the additional fun car be able to do that duty? I, I know, suppose I know so you, you can said, take it, so you can I know enjoy you said it you've asked. Yeah, I, I suppose so, because you want to do the two-hour drive in that thing. But you know, look, I, I I'll be honest with you. As the Lotus Elise owner, which we all know I love, if you told me right now, Todd, you need to do two hours worth of driving. I'd take the Phaeton. Sure, yeah. If I was going to road trip somewhere, I'd take the Phaeton. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. if you're going to be you and your wife and the two dogs and your son driving two hours, you want as much room as you can get. Take the Honda Pilot, which I'll be honest with you, I don't like how it drives. But I would take it on that trip. Fine for road trips. Because of what it is. If you want more fun, the Stinger is fun and hauls the entire family, both literally and figuratively. I sense you're trying to justify two-door and small. My point is you don't, Robert, you and your wife, you don't need a fun car that has to do more than two people. I have this issue with my wife and my son. We can't all three take the Lotus. Is that a bummer sometimes? Yes. I kind of think it would be worth an Instagram it, post it'd be if funny. you did. It would be funny. It'd well, be hang funny. on. You and I are from that era. I was talking to my dad about this when they were just in town. You and I are from that era that I have memories of me and my mom and dad, all three of us going somewhere in the Jaguar E-Type because I was little enough to sit on the hump behind the gear shift. Oh, yeah. Because you and yeah. I are old enough. It was pre-car seat madness. And my dad asked, he said, do you remember doing that? I said, I absolutely remember doing that. Sitting on the hump behind the gear shift <laughs> of oh the Jaguar gosh. E-Type. I also did it on somebody else's MG when I was about that size as well. Craziness. So Your you, sister probably wasn't around at that not, point, Not at right? that point. Not that E-Type discussion. So you were no. young. Yes, I was young. But anyway. Huh. So it's crazy. But my point here is, yes. So an E-Type is what you're suggesting. Totally. My yeah, wife I, I and totally I take the Lotus out every now and then enjoy ourselves. Mm. She's gone out with my son. I've gone out with my son. Obviously, all three of us can't go, but they're fun drives anyway. Sure, sure. So I think you really need to take a serious look at a two-seat car. You want a different experience than anything you've had. 
I actually think the play along these lines is get yourself a used, probably a first-gen, let's go a 2009 Porsche Cayman. Okay. Smaller, not a V8, mid-engine, German build quality. It is completely different than anything you've had. It is. I mean, I I look at service, but I'm wondering, are there independent mechanics around St. John's? There's bound to be. There's bound to where, be. Because we're not reco- other people with I'm not recommending an oddball brand, and I'm not recommending right. the high end of the old oddball brand either. Those are so volume. I mean, look, Whitless Bay is near kind of nothing. I get that. The roads look like they're pretty cool. The roads look fantastic. So I, I, I think that, and even I say this as the non-Porsche guy, notice I am not telling you to go get a Lotus. I think that's too far. Also, your wife is frightened a little bit, and rightfully so, of the GT500, mm-hmm. which is known to be a hammer in power and not very good in handling. Again, the Cayman is the reverse of that. But that era, that 09 to 2011 era, is one of the best eras for Porsche for six-speed manuals as well. Sure. I mean, they wouldn't even need to go back that far. For $50,000 Canadian, true. they you wouldn't could, need to they go could, back go, You far. could go 982, the same generation you had. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You'd go newer than that. Yeah. But, but I'm still thinking... That is the alternate experience you're looking for in every single category I can think of. But, yes, it's only two seats. So then that brings me to wild card drive homework. Okay. Also thinking opposite of where you are. And I know I am a foregone conclusion here, but you're bound to be able to find them, service them, et cetera. Find an 86 or BRZ and at least drive really? it. You think an 86 I don't fits think here? he's going to like it because I don't think it's – I think the power is going to be so disappointing you're not going to want it. Yeah, I'm concerned about that. But – here, here's the reason I want you to drive it. It is a completely different experience than anything you've had. It does have four seats and usable space. Yeah. If you're looking for a different experience with a good manual transmission, that is definitely that. I think coming out of the GT500, it's going to be woefully underpowered and you're going to walk away. But I would like you to walk away having had that experience and think about how that affects your awareness of cars. As drive homework, I agree. As buying one in this situation, I don't agree. I, I, can I don't see think that. so. I, I, I think you'd be severely disappointed. I think honestly. the M2 is the play here. I really do. After all of my rants, I think the M2 is the play here. But I'm going to encourage you and your wife again. It doesn't have to have four seats. And then you can have a Cayman and really revolutionize your car experience. Well, at that point, we can go after C8 Corvettes and Supras. True, true, true. Even though automatic, I like the Cayman and Boxster for the manual. I do. The manual would be awesome. And he could save money. He could come away under budget. You could sell that. Here. I, I don't bet, understand this I bet statement. you and your wife, your wife especially, probably like this idea. Sell the GT500 and not spend all the money and get a Cayman. I see the get a Cayman part. <laughs> the rest of it's just white noise. The, the I understand. Yeah, you, I understand. No idea what I'm doing, not spending all the money. Anyway, Robert, I hope that was helpful for you. Tires, unless you do drive in the winter. There you go. Hey, you, could. you certainly could. You Absolutely. know, put the yep. top down, crank the heater, and cruise around in the winter. <laughs> so now you've got them in a Boxster with the top down. <laughs> in the winter. Yeah. Why? Okay, maybe. I love all those choices. All right, Robert, you've got a little bit of driving to do. And hopefully this is helpful because we do want you to branch out and – you know, we love Fords. We love many cars that they make. But in your case, yeah, time to look around. And I'm For glad sure. you guys For already sure. have. But yep. in the world of wheelbases and engine placement and sports cars in general, there's so much to love out mm-hmm. there. So much encouragement. Let us know. And if you've got your own drive homework or you're, you've got a question about that, you guys are sending us car conclusions, topic Tuesdays. But your car debates. Send us everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or in the top right corner of the website, everydaydriver.com. There's a contact button under the About tab. You can reach us there as well. And this will also update you as to what TV episode is playing next. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can go there for some of the information. And then, of course, social media will keep you guys updated with all the stuff that's happening and YouTube as well. So thanks for writing in. And, Robert, good luck with your search. Let us know.
take a guess at the one thing we can't get enough of. Car stuff. That's right. That's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of the award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, which is chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. You'll also get access to members-only live stream on topics that range from car values to automotive history, DIY tutorials, and a whole lot more. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts from big brands, including Deal of the Week, which is always an exclusive deal that only lasts a couple of days. If you love cars, and we know you do, this club is for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. Rodolfo's writing in. He's a 23-year-old truck driver writing to us from Indiana. He's about 30 miles outside Chicago. He's been listening to the podcast on the road for a couple of years already, and he is thrilled to have something else to help him pass the time while driving that truck. We're thrilled to be a part of it, man. We're glad you're with us. Yeah, Rodolfo says, I've been corrupted. <laughs> and I read that, and I thought, what? What's going on here? Well, Rodolfo messaged us a while back, and he said, what car should he buy for his first fun car? And of course, listening to me talk about the aura of Porsche brand. Mm -hmm. That's not a surprise. He came undone when he found out he could afford one himself. Very cool. So he did make his move and bought a 2007 Speed Yellow Porsche Cayman base. Great choice. he adores choice. the car. Oh, that's fantastic. Great choice. I love it. I love that you got a yellow one, too. That's really cool. That is cool. He says, whole new wor world has been opened to him. He says, I found this new world. But then he got corrupted because <laughs> we recommend all these driving experiences to yes, listeners of the podcast. Yes, and do. he says, you know, we say try them all if you can. And he said, well, I love my Cayman, but there's so much more to offer in different cars. So what he's done here is come up with a strategy to feed the disease while on his way to a target of a $100,000 dream car. Okay. All right. All right. He says he's been blessed and has worked hard to own all his trucking equipment outright after investing everything in himself for the last two years. That's very cool. Yeah. At this point, he's starting to reap the benefits of those sacrifices right now. He says very little debt, pretty healthy income. He can afford to move up in vehicle classes fairly quickly. Very cool, man. His plan right now is to keep cars between six and 24 months while jumping up fifteen to $30,000 at a time until he reaches enough money to buy a Cayman GT4 or a 993 Turbo. Yeah, he's a Porsche okay. groupie, which, welcome. Not a surprise. So we're talking, let, let's, let's average it out. We're talking about him probably keeping cars about a year. We're really I'm guessing, about, yeah. A year or so. Yeah, average. He tries to figure out the next one. So what he wants from us is uh, give him the jumps what are the stages of this? If he has a base Cayman now, mm -hmm. what are the stages? His thinking is to jump from his 987 Cayman to a GTR or a current-gen Supra, then maybe a Mercedes-Benz GT, which are very fun, or older McLaren maybe, and then eventually to the GT4 993 Turbo. He also mentions, by the way, I am six foot three, just like we are. Of course, we are incredibly differently built, apparently. Not to look at us, but it's true. But <laughs> Rodolfo says he loves the handling aspect more than power, and he likes having things that are unique. So all of these are factors, but he's saying, give me the stair steps here. Mm. Rodolfo, congratulations on being self-made and working hard, and the sacrifices are paying off. Massive congrats to you. And I come to you, first of all, with I, I read this email, and I thought, this will be fun to discuss. For sure. But I do want to say, first of all, some of the best handling cars on planet Earth don't have to be expensive. Agreed. The correlation between all of us who see exotic cars and we think, well, that is just a new level of driving experience. If you go back to when you and I were at Speed Vegas, we had yeah, the opportunity yeah, yeah, to yeah. drive the Ferrari 488 GTB. Mm -hmm. yep. I didn't come away blown away and suddenly just in love with the Ferrari. I mm. didn't. It was good. Yeah. It was fast, mm -hmm. fun. But I didn't come away thinking... 
oh, I can't wait to set my sights on a Ferrari because here I liked the Mondial better. Interesting point. The old like Mondial, the Mondial, you were a big fan why, of that. Yeah, you're right. Why am I yeah. trolling over here in Mondial land? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I should have just, that should have been the car. And I think, well, it was good. I'm trying to touch on why I don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like it. It's just there's cars I'd rather have. So the correlation between us in our minds as enthusiasts between price point equals better. The higher the price point Agreed. means Agreed. the better the car, faster, better handling, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff. In some cases, that is true. That yeah. is very yeah. true. You get what you pay for. But in many cases, Todd and I are astounded to discover Hyundai Veloster Ns and Supras and mm-hmm. Caymans and Lotai and all these lower-priced cars right. yeah. that do as good a job or better than some of the exotic cars we think we'd want. Yeah. Well, th- this is a discussion you and I have had before, and I, I refer to it as the price of fun. Indeed. Because people yes. – it is easy for all of us. Look, we all started. If you're listening to this podcast and you're 12, then you're still here where I'm about to say. But we all started as car people looking at the magazines, comparing stats, and just bench rating, racing stuff based off of the spreadsheet, if you will. Which is okay? the internet. Yeah, which is exactly how that works. So we, we all started that way, and we looked at power to weight, we looked at zero to 60, and we looked at price, and if it gets if it gets more expensive, it must be better, which means the Bugatti Chiron is clearly the best sports car ever made, right? Yeah, <laughs> Okay, thanks for listening ever. to the podcast. So the thing is here, you're right. There's a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example from my life. Okay. When you and I first drove the first gen GTR, we had it as a press car from Nissan. Oh, that was Oh nine, 2010. Uh, I think it was Oh nine. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. Anyway, okay. first drove that car. I was still living in Los Angeles at the time. That's how long ago it was wow. still in LA. Yeah. And I went up a really good driving road just North of the Valley there in Los Angeles. And yeah. I was hammering in that car as is easy to do. Yeah. It was very, very easy to do. And at one point, I came around a corner, and I came up behind a guy in an NC Miata, top down. He was not going nearly as fast as I was, but for a back road, he was doing pretty well. Nothing is really going as fast as a GTR separate at that thing, point. Separate discussion. <laughs> but my point is, I was because of the way of the nature of the road, I was behind him mm-hmm. for a few corners. Yeah. And it dawned on me when I had the opportunity to pass him and was gone in a split second. It dawned on me, when we both got home that day, I couldn't necessarily say that I had more fun than him. This is my point. Yeah. The, the price of the car or the specs of the car, there's not an equal sign to fun factor here, especially if you're a guy that likes handling. So the, I would, I've got some stair steps here that I kind of like, but what I, what I tried to do was not only stair step up, but also stair step to different than you already had. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to trade cars every year, then even if, it, if you feel like the one you stepped into, you know, I like the one prior better. That's right. okay. Yeah, true. You're a year away, true. but you now you now are going to be able to leave that experience and go to here's why I like that or didn't. Yeah, that's true. I've been thinking about this mulling various cars, and like I've said, I've named some lower price cars. Even the A90 Supra, the new GR Supra is brilliant. The C8 Corvette we like that is is coming as a TV episode compared to a C7 generation. Mm-hmm. But I I think, huh? I do want you to move up, and I love that you are projecting the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. But I want you to give yourself space and permission to, as Todd said, like a prior car better or not have to go as far. Because when we see supercars, the manual transmission discussion isn't even brought up. Mm, You see McLaren? Name me McLaren that's a manual transmission. (laughs) And why do you still want one? You're right. Everybody goes, McLaren's awesome. But you never hear anybody go, yeah, but if only they had a manual. That discussion does not appear. It's (laughs) It's not that it's talked about in a minimal way. That doesn't even get brought up. That's a great point, yeah. You see Lamborghinis, Ferraris. It's not even mentioned. Yeah. 
because the option doesn't exist and we want them anyway. You're right. Let's talk Chirons and Koenigseggs. Manual what? <laughs> the new, Who? The new Bugatti Chiron with a manual. Crickets. What happened? So in that sense, what is better? And mm-hmm. what, is, That's a great know, question. what is it yeah. that makes you want that car? Is it just because you can afford one? So I'm wondering, first of all, from an angle of promotion for your company. Because when mm. people start to find out and realize that you are a car enthusiast, Rodolfo, and they understand maybe that car is associated with your trucking company or maybe. your brand, is maybe, there some yeah. way to use it from a promotional standpoint, but mm. not just to say, hey, we're making good money, come you know, give me your business mm-hmm. kind of thing. But what could that say? I'm, I'm just asking, have you started thinking in that direction? But then also, as you go up, you've suggested you're thinking here to start with that 987 Cayman to a GTR Super Mark V, but then you mentioned the Mercedes AMG GT or an older McLaren, mm-hmm. all the way to this 993 Turbo. Yeah. And the 993 Turbo is brilliant and desirable as it is. There's cars that handle better and are faster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that costs a lot more than them. Yeah. So well, when we're talking about McLarens, I, I do love that. Uh, McLarens of all kinds. The 600 LT intrigues me a lot, mm-hmm, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems yeah. way out there, but those, still attainable. It's those not early, the Senna. Who those cares? Those early 600s have come down quick, yeah. which is crazy because they were world beaters when they dropped. I actually jumped. I don't know about you. I assumed that that base Cayman he's got is about 20 grand. So I started jumping in 20 intervals. Okay. I did okay. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, and 120. And I, at every jump, I'm assuming, again, I'm assuming a year between cars here. At every jump, I'm trying to do something that is very different than what he's had in prior jumps. Mm, I like that. Rodolfo, the 911 GT2 RS is one of the best handling cars I've ever experienced. Yeah. It's up there. It's It's amazing. Brilliant. They're $350,000 right now. (laughs) That's not one of these jumps. (laughs) That and they're going to stay be. there or go up, yeah. <laughs> because you said handling over power, but when we get into big money like that, the power just comes right along with the ride. But I, that could be a car to set your sights on because it's just so much fun. It's mm-hmm. got so much good feedback. McLarens of all, of all kinds. I guess my headspace is pushing you past the $100,000 mark because if we're at $100,000, how about a $79,000 car that's great? Sure. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. a Lotus 400 Vora 400. Yeah, like for sure. Probably 80 grand you can get one right mm-hmm. now. Yep. Brilliant. Yep. I'd take that car over many that are $250,000. I, I hear that. I totally so hear that. instead of jumps, I kind of went after the future of your trucking business and where the future is going. Because mm. if we're going to talk mm. hypercars and you're projected to make the kind of money that you are, I want you to have experiences. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. What about a Ford GT? Sure. Yeah. What Don't about a rematch? The electric car, when that oh, thing yeah. will finally be developed, it'll be a couple million, probably. <laughs> Why stop at a hundred grand when we can go ten times? But that? at that point, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, this well, is what we do. Yeah, here's the here's the thinking. We're corrupting him further, which I like. Indeed. It's very funny. Yeah. If at that point you're able to afford a rematch, will your trucking business have switched over to electric trucks? Will you have bought a fleet of Nikolas? You have gone so much further with this than I thought possible. I'm I went impressed. You, I can barely see you from here. The Tesla Semi might be out. Yeah, Will your trucking okay. company have a fleet of electrics? And then at some point, you know what? I want to promote my business. But look, the supercar that the owner drives is a rematch. Mm-hmm. The electric hypercar. That, mm-hmm. And the thinking behind this Croatian builder and the, the guy who started, Mate Rematch, he's Croatian. They're doing amazing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just trying to get you continue the corruption, as Todd said. Yeah, get you sure, thinking differently sure. yeah. as to what's next. Because when you reach that $100,000 mark, I don't want you to think... Well, now what? Mm. 
I don't want you to think about that. I want you to mm. keep pushing and always have that thing that's continually sure, out yeah, there. Yeah. I do want you to have jumps along the way. I want you to drive a Cayman, a Lotus, a Supra, a C8 Corvette. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. want you to experience 911s and McLarens, all that juicy, fun stuff. But then what's out there? Okay. All right. I like it. That's where I'm leaving. I like things. it. I'm going to run through jumps real quick. I'm assuming you have a 987 Cayman base that probably cost you around 20 grand. So let's jump 20 to 40. The Cayman has ignited you, Rodolfo, on I like to drive and I like handling. But the Cayman, if you want to just go into that pool, the Cayman actually doesn't go far enough. Mm, okay. At 40 grand, you buy an Exige. You're, you're going to have it a year. You're going to buy an Exige. You're going to wish, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to wish for the cabin quality of the Cayman. Sure. But you're going to find an entirely new perception on, oh, 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 handling. That, that's where we are now. Okay? But yeah. the Exige has got the supercharger. I mean, you, you could have a lot of fun with 40 grand on an Exige. You could get a really good one. So are get an Exige. 40? Are they genuinely 40? 40, 45. Now, here's the thing. If you don't want to go Exige, you go where I went. You get an Elise. Sure. 35. Sure. Okay, yeah, you get easy. a nice one for 35. Yeah. Okay, I got mine right at 30. It's an 06. So Elise or Exceed, you get yourself into the king of handling at an affordable price. Mm. Yeah. But you're going to want something nicer after that. So the palate cleanser at 60 is a Jaguar F-Type with a manual. Oh, good. That's nice. Now you've gone front engine. We've had two main engines in a row, and, they're, and they got proceedingly more hardcore. Now we're front <laughs> engine, rear drive, nice cabin, but still manual. And that car has really good rotation. It does. It, it's genuinely fun to drive. Get and I'm yourself, guessing you're talking coupe, yes? Yeah, get, get the coupe in okay. a V6 with a manual. Okay. They're, they're going to be hard to find, but with 60 grand in your pocket, you could definitely get one of those. So next we jump to 80 grand. <laughs> what you haven't had yet is a good dual clutch. Okay. You could go GTR. I see your GTR, but I raise you to C8 Corvette. Good. Get a C8 Corvette. Because in a few yes. years when you're able to get one, you'll be able to get one. Right now, it's like how long's the order book, that yes, kind of thing. Yes, or at that point when he's ready, maybe the future hotter flavors possibly, that he wants. Possibly. Obviously, it's more power, but maybe there's something different that might be but appealing. Dual clutch Corvette. Now you're mid-engine again, but mm-hmm. you're dual clutch and a significantly bigger car than the mid-engines you had prior. Look, the GTR is impressive. It's not driver-involving. Agreed. So since yes. you will have had some driver-involving cars, you could certainly do GTR at 80. You could find a used GTR. But I think the C8 Corvette is your play there for your introduction to dual clutches. Good. 100K is where I see your Mercedes GT. <laughs> now, if you think about it, that's related to the Jaguar F-Type Yeah. as far as construction, yeah. style. Okay, yeah. But it's bigger still. It's more powerful still. And it doesn't have a manual. Right. So that's right. another feel again. And then if you break up into 120 grand or so, if you get up there, you're right. The Cayman GT4 is up there. So is the 993 Turbo. I think, I'm just guessing here, the GT4 is the better play because I think you'd drive it more. I think it would too, yeah. I think the 993 Turbo would bring with it, because of its history and because it's older, a level of preciousness. And the investment thing yeah. goes with it. It's almost yes. like an albatross around its And here's neck the thing. Right I Could you even get one for 120? I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. But but at 120, you could probably find somebody getting rid of a GT4, and I think you would love that in car and just drive it. But then back to where you were, and mm. that is there's a lot of other stuff out there. There's gobs. Okay. But when you break the 120 mark, you could find yourself one of those early 600 or 650 McLarens. Yeah. Fantastic. But if you want unique and handling focused, and you've got that kind of money to spend, I'll trump you all. BAC Mono. 
Okay, <laughs> I like that. Okay, I that's, love that. That's actually. what that's about. It's just yeah. about handling and unique and and it's just you, you, which <laughs> yeah. is awesome. I mean, I'd yeah. love to have one for all of those reasons. I yeah. mean, I am absolutely the guy that would drive a BAC mono around and go get lunch. I'm absolutely that guy. Helmet so, and everything. Yeah, you know, I would. So I know anyway. You would. But that's the craziness. Now, that gets me off into craziness. I could go craziness for the next half hour. I won't. But my point here is what I liked about these steps was just trying to think, what haven't you had? Mm -hmm. What's totally different? Mm -hmm. What makes you go, oh. Because if you actually do all these steps, Rodolfo, you're going to easily define, I think even before you get through all the steps, you're going to go, what do I like? And then you can find that halo car you want to chase and it might not be that expensive but you're going to go these are the common threads of cars i love and car x does it best rodolfo the audience is dreaming right along with you absolutely and congratulate you on this because heck i'm dreaming I, well yeah i mean we're not in this position to be able to do it and the fact that you are but you've done it on your own steam is a huge thing so you know we we don't allow ourselves to dream when there's an injection of reality. We all do it, <laughs> but there's no connection to reality. You have a connection to reality, mm -hmm. and for that, I say congrats. So keep us posted. Let us know as things progress, and we're very curious as to what's next on your plate after the Cayman. Let's just, you know, small steps. There's a question from Brian V. that came in via email. He says he's got a problem. He's got a 2019 Endy Miata and nowhere to drive it. <laughs> okay. Because he lives in the wonderful, boring, and flat state of Kansas. I, I see those adjectives, yes. <laughs> they have hardly any curvy paved roads or anything that resembles a fun road. Just long straights, which is why muscle cars are more popular in Kansas. Sure, sure. He and his wife do trips to Colorado where they can finally get the driving fun fixed, but that's only once or twice a year. What are our thoughts on this dilemma, and is it a valid reason to move? <laughs> What would we do? What do we do? I mean, this isn't just how do I get fun out of my car. This is sell the house, yes. change my friends, yes. get rid I of an moving. entire community, yes. and you've moved. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, this is a great question. Essentially, it's been a long time since somebody wrote it. There's been a couple of times people have written in, and our recommendation was, maybe you ought to move. This is the first time somebody's written us and asked us back, like, should I move? Should I, move? <laughs> I think we both love that you own the 2019 ND. Yes, Brilliant. Very cool. That's a toughie because we want you to be able to enjoy that car. And once or twice a year in Colorado, we want you to keep coming west. Come to Utah. Come to California. Sure. There's great stuff all over the West Coast. There's, mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much if you go left or right, you'll find more driving roads. Take Just a left about. out of Kansas or take a right out of Kansas. <laughs> but definitely if you come west. Definitely, definitely if you come west. You hit the Rockies and go anywhere west of the Rockies. It's a lot more fun there. I mean, Brian, here's my big question for you is could you move? Yeah. Like, yeah. like life-wise, life-wise, job-wise, yeah. you know, everything in your life, could you move? Because I'm very much of the demeanor. Look, this doesn't work for everybody, I realize, but I'm very much of the demeanor. And this was came from growing up in Texas and living while I was a kid, both in, in England and in Norway. And then when I was done in Texas, moving to California and then winding up in Utah, what I found over time, and again, this is me, is I would rather find the place I want to be. Mm -hmm. than be in a place because a job is there. Now, granted, you and I, have all, we've also made our own jobs. Yes. So we're oddballs. Yes. Yes. But if you are a person where job-wise you could move, because I understand jobs have requirements. You need to be whatever. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah. And that's a reality of life. That's why airplanes were invented. You know, fine. Yes, true. I discovered that. But if, if you could live somewhere else, then ask yourself the question beyond the car for a second. I know it's crazy. I went beyond the car on a car podcast. But ask yourself a question of where do you want to move? Mm -hmm. Do you want to live in Kansas? And if you do, fine. Do you want to live in Colorado or Alaska or Florida or 
do you, where do you want to live? What do you want your life to look like? And if that means you could move and it involves some nice roads, yeah, let's move somewhere with nice roads. And I'll tell you something real quickly. This sounds funny, but if you find a place that actually has any kind of elevation changes, nice roads follow. This is true. This is true. Brian, not many people have the ability to think like this. They're either tied by family. They're tied by their job location. They're tied by, this is where I grew up. This is my hometown. I can't see myself living anywhere else but where I live now. That, that'd be weird. Your community, your friends, all that kind of stuff plays a huge factor. Yeah. The fact that you can, Very not cool. everybody has yeah. this ability. So since you do, my recommendation is to move. I think that's great. On Facebook, uh, Todd Beachy asks, he says, in the last podcast, we were talking about taking our car to a dealer or, in, or reputable Porsche mechanic. And you, Paul, shared that uh, you used to take your car to Rusnak in Pasadena, which is pretty much gold-plated, and they were charging $325 per shop hour. Yeah. And so Todd is asking, he's saying, um, hang on, if an oil change is 200 bucks, um, he would love to have a Cayman, is what it sounds like in this yeah. question. Yeah. But he's terrified of maintenance costs. There's another question I want to come to here related to that as well. You know, honestly, man, if – here's the big thing. You've asked this question. If you have tools and knowledge and time, you can work on a lot of that car yourself. I could do it on my Lotus. You could do it on your Cayman. I could. The problem is lift. that we – exactly. Sure. The problem is that we don't have, in most cases, the tools, the knowledge, or the time. Mm-hmm. I've had mixes of all three over the years, and I have worked on plenty of cars and done plenty of things short of like engine poles, Okay. But what I've realized is, A, I'm not that good at it. B, the random perfect tool that gets things done quickly, I never have. And C, because of my skill set and because of what we do for the show, my time is better served elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So this is why I pay people to work on cars, because they're better at it than me. And I need to make more money doing other things than yeah. spend my entire weekend working on that thing and probably breaking something, let's be honest. So if you have the skill set and the interest, why not? There's nothing to stop you. Well, he's also asking what justified the cost of both of those. The dealership, obviously, they're really super high end, and so they just cost a lot because they have overhead. But the the, uh, shop where I have it currently serviced is $200 an hour, and it takes him right about an hour. Think of this. He spends the full hour on my car, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe just a little bit more because the Cayman doesn't have a dipstick. It has a digital gauge, Mm -hmm. oil Mm -hmm. level meter. And so what he does is... He'll start the car after putting new oil in. So he's yeah. got to drain the yeah, oil. Yeah. takes a while. Make sure it's all out of there. Put the new oil in, which costs money. It's probably 80 bucks just for the oil. And then he'll turn on the car and then let it settle and mm-hmm. let it read the mm-hmm, meter. Mm-hmm. And he'll turn it off and wait. And then he'll drive it maybe just a little bit because he's getting to the exact measurement, the exact yeah, fill. He's, he's not just drain Bob's the oil, really dump the new one in, call it a day. Yeah, Bob's really good, yeah. He takes time and he's... He spent 45 minutes on my last oil change just screwing around with the level. And he had to let a little bit out because he overfilled. And he wanted it mar- marked perfectly. Yeah. He's superb. Porsche recommendations. And then he plugged his laptop into the OBD port and just said, all right, just want to make sure your codes are clear and everything's cool with the car. And yeah. I was like, and I'm paying you $200 for this plus the cost of oil? This is cheap. Yeah. And his, you know, so he probably earned, all told, maybe $100. But then if he didn't have any clients after that, he might earn $100 for the morning. Yeah. Well, he's got a shop. He's got – Yeah. That totally and justified he, it for me. He, he does spent things time really well. on that. Yeah. And the car was happy and all that stuff. But he didn't just – again, drain the oil, put in the new like you do most cars. We're good. 
oh, yeah. maybe I should check the dipstick, but I put in the recommended amount. No, he didn't do that. He, <laughs> it's true. It's true. He babied that thing. He fussed with the levels and waited and drove <laughs> it and totally let see it idle and all this stuff. It's absolutely his approach. Actually, directly related also on Instagram, we've got uh, Crashmuck here saying he'd love to get a 987 Cayman. That's that first-gen Cayman, so 06 to, what is it, 2011, 2012? Is that when the changeover was? It's somewhere in there. Uh, right about there. Anyway, so he— 14 was the maybe, new 981. Okay, there you go. So there you go. So he wants to get a first-gen Cayman. He's not concerned about the purchase price. He's quite concerned about— about the annual maintenance cost. He's curious if we can guesstimate, and honestly, we can't guesstimate, but we can guesstimate what the annual yearly maintenance cost would be for, for a 97 Cayman. He wants to kind of put that money aside and then keep refilling the fund. That's the right approach. Here's the thing. In our experience, my wife has this high-mile Cayenne. You've had a couple of different Caymans. We've known plenty of other people that have owned Porsches. In general, they don't just randomly break. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So... But the but the cost of getting it maintained, as we already talked about, can be easily 25% more than other cars to get anything done. Sure. But back to your initial question, I actually think whatever your purchase of the 987 came in is, you need to have a few thousand laying around to spend on top of it right away. And here's why I say that. You're going to want to do, probably going to want to do tires, brakes, and fluids. Indeed, yeah. Instantly. But here's the thing. You may not do all of those things, again, with oil accepted, for a couple of years, Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to have a major hit the minute you buy it, getting everything new and right of mm-hmm. those consumables. And then I think you're going to do probably oil changes. If you're not tracking it, you're going to do oil changes on that car for a couple of years. And then when the big intervals hit, this is what happens with my wife's Cayenne. The big intervals are expensive. Between that, we change the oil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Alex HC on Instagram asks, if cars were facial hair, what would the okay. Cayman Quattroporte <laughs> Phaeton and Lotus be? Oh, no. Okay. Well, if you look at the Porsche design catalog, look at the people in there. They either have no facial hair or it's just scruff. Okay. Okay. You actually. Okay. You've actually taken some time on this. I can tell already. You keep yes. going. Think Mark Weber. Mark Weber, the former F1 driver. Sure. Yeah. He's a spokesperson mm-hmm. yeah. for for Porsche. And sometimes you see him. He's looking scruffy, and then other times he's clean shaven. Okay, depending on what he's presenting. The QP5 is a five o'clock shadow from a businessman working late to afford the maintenance on the car. Okay. All right. Keep going. The Phaeton is a precisely trimmed short beard. Ah, okay. With the, with the impossibly straight line under the chin. Like how long did that take you? Superbly crafted. That's very funny. How did like you do that? that? That's good. And the Lotus is a mustache because it's not for everyone. <laughs> right? I'm, you mustache know what? is not for everybody. Lotus Bravo. Is not for everybody. I, am, I am currently applauding you for that. Uh, Geese1RBM on Instagram says, hang on, hang on. Why do a number of automotive journalists say that the C8 generation Corvette needed to go mid-engine because GM had reached the limit of what they could do with the front engine setup? Aren't there higher performance front engine cars? A couple of things here. Mm. First off. It's not the auto journalists that have been the first to say this. Now, you and I drove the crazy latest ZR1 and just said, if you go any more power in the front engine model, you're going to kill people because yeah. that was already on the edge. That car is, uh, is woolly. It is, it, is, it is borderline terrifying. Fun, but you're waiting for something to go horrifically wrong, okay? <laughs> because it has so much power that the rear wheels are skittish. Let's just put it that way. They're skittish, mm, okay? Mm. But the reason I bring it up is because Taj Jutcher, I think that's his last name. Jutter, yes. Jutter, thank you. He was the guy that has been like the chassis and performance guy for the last two or three generations of the Corvette. Yeah, that's brilliant. He said very publicly, this is really the end of what we can do and reliably put power (laughs) down. So he was one of the ones that actually said it publicly, and he's the guy that set up the, the C8. 
because when you take off, I know this is just the physics of when you come to take off, the engine is up front and you've thrown weight toward the back wheels on acceleration, but still not enough. When you have a mid-engine car, the weight is already sitting over those wheels and it helps with grip. Mm-hmm, yeah. Now you have other issues, which brings us to the point that the current C8 from the factory has a little bit of understeer built in, which by the way, exists on most Ferraris. It exists on the Lotus. It exists on a lot of mid-engine things because if you're not used to driving a mid-engine car, oh look, it spins. So this is the yeah. way you create, create understeer. I mean, the Elise has some built-in understeer. I mean, that's how the car was set up. Most mid-engines are set up that way. So that's how they're they're dealing with that. But on the other end of the spectrum, pretty much anybody that's done track testing or especially zero to 60 stuff with the new Corvette it has been significantly faster because it's mid-engine. One last thing. There is the Ferrari 812 out there. Front oh, yeah. engine, whole lot of power. It's super fast, right? But it's, yeah. it's trying to be a, first off, limited edition Ferrari, B, GT car country chewer, not a track beast. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit different approach. With GM doing what they're trying to do with the Corvette, which is, let's be honest, make a well-handling sports car that has wicked power, at some point you run into this place where they and others just jump mid-engine. Damn it, Pat and Andrew has asked about GM missing officially the off-road SUV segment with the disaster that is the new Blazer. (laughs) Don't hold back, man. Go. Totally agree. With the Bronco now set to take on Jeep. What GM name would you resurrect to combat these two, or would they be better off going with a new name? Did they screw themselves, or did they screw themselves? Holy, well, but come on. They they should have held that Blazer name in reserve. I I know I've already kind of ranted about this. I'm not sure they care, but I still think you should take the Blazer and redesign it properly to be a competitor. Along with an apology tour, like Volkswagen did. Just look at the Volkswagen... Apology yeah. to our T-shirts. Yeah, just follow on the how same. How to do it properly? Follow the same city city path. We're sorry, yeah. the blazer was that we didn't mean it. Just we kidding. Were kidding. Here's the real blazer. Yeah, and then we did something else. The blazer is the name because if they resurrect anything else, you know, all the enthusiasts and car people everywhere are going to be like, nah, should have been the blazer. Yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. should have been the blazer. So I, I think, apologize, back away, crush them, <laughs> bring out the cool new blazer. I'll work on it. Charlie KNYC says that he feels like a lot of car content is just, here's a car, middle of the frame, don't care what's behind it. Have you seen the car? Oh, look, car. <laughs> and he appreciates the fact that we seem to worry about what's going on behind the car, around the car. Honestly, yeah, Charlie, that has been paramount for us since the beginning, to the point that I'll be really honest with you. Any piece we've ever created, I can tell you all the shots that bother me. There, there's just invariably, there's a bunch of shots that I just don't feel are good enough. Right. Okay. Right. But one of the things we do in our feature films and especially in our TV stuff and both of those for sure is I want to put you in the location. I want to drive somewhere that's decent to drive. We used to have people that would ask us, why don't you guys ever show these cars in traffic? Because we've all seen traffic and none of us like it. Okay. <laughs> right. This is why we don't show it in traffic. Right. We want to show you really, look at our Canyon running piece. We just released recently. Edgar cut that. He cut it really, really well. It's about the location as much as it's about the cars. Yes. I mean, it's yes. about you and I driving the cars. It's about us telling you about the cars. But I just want to show you someplace that looks cool. And I think the cars being talked about in their dynamics and their speed, I feel like, is more relatable and more fun when you see it in a place where you could, guess what, do corners and go fast. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're always worried about the backdrop. I'm glad that you like it. Charlie, you've listed a few places that you've noticed where we've shot, Colorado, California, Utah, and they all definitely have their own looks. 
I have a kind of a private list in the back of my head of all the really cool, distinct places I would like to shoot. We have a piece. It's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday on mm-hmm. Motor Trend. Yeah. That is a brand new location for us. It looks like nowhere else we've shot, and we are we are giddy with excitement to share it with you guys because it just looks so cool. We are going to keep seeking out those locations. It only takes money. We're just booking through the landscape too. It just looks so. It's great. really fun. All right. So Atomic Gumby says, with the new Bronco, what will other companies dip into this segment as well? Could this prevent us from getting more wagons or hot hatches if that segment grows? Possibly. You're talking about oversaturation, and possibly. I, I feel like. Every car company has jumped on the CUV bandwagon, and there's mm. so many choices mm. now that customers are going around looking at cars and thinking, oh, yeah, cars. I remember those. Yeah, we should look at a car. Maybe it's we don't become the need weird the highest alt. riding SUV built. <laughs> but the off-road thing, I, I think it will be continually democratized, and I've used that word before, but continually pushed on the, you know, go find your own thing, go find your own venture. And that's a lot of what marketing teams need to do with cars. Mm-hmm. So possibly but it depends on the brand i mean mini's not going to come out with the shetland pony off-road little <laughs> thing that's the mini shetland the furrier than before knobby tired mini that you, no you know they're going to stay true to their brand if you know what i mean <laughs> let's hope i mean ferrari's considering an suv so maybe i'm totally wrong I, the suvs it's just it's a plague right now they fully <laughs> exist yeah, it is. Raiden's Garage on Instagram. Hey, man, you've asked this question. I thought about this for a minute, but I think I have an answer. What's the most overused letter or letters in car branding? He lists the options that he can think of. S, R, X, G, T, R, S, N, M. What add-on letter is used the most? And I actually think it's S. Cooper S. Okay. Corolla S. Carrera S. Cayman S. See what I'm saying? I, can, I think... More companies have used an S designation for the sport designation than almost anything else I can think of. I mean, GT is possibly a close second. Yeah, yeah. But so many cars that aren't sporty have had a S flavor. I, I think it's almost every manufacturer I can think of. N felt kind of fresh with Hun- when Hyundai N does feel that. fresh, yes. yes. You know, a few years ago, it just felt like, okay, a new and, letter. But, at least, but, it, but even in the case of M, for example, M is specific to a brand. Yeah. But the letter S has been on all kinds of things. Q isn't even safe. I mean, it. Mercedes does S versions. Yeah. You know, I mean, the S is, come on. You have the BMW 135i or 135i S. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. I agree. Taylor Caldwell is asking, oh, well, what did we think of cars that were once smaller that have continued to get larger, like M3s and 911s <laughs> and WRXs and STIs? And I think part of it is regulations. It is manufacturing and crash zones and mm. wanting to have a little bit bigger car to hopefully crash, crash tests a little bit better or add more airbags or the A-pillars got thicker because they have more stuff in them. Or We are asking for grown. more and more, but I also think it's this. I actually think it relates to marketing and the buyer surveys. Because, it does. Because in it general, does. look, you're never going to talk to the average car buyer and they're never going to turn down the offer for a little bit more space. <laughs> When it's put like that, they're yeah. not. Yeah. Do you, would you, would never... you like? Would you like a little more space? Yeah, I'll check that box. But I bet you, no forum ever asks an audience, "Hey, what if, what do you think about the Mustang getting a little bit lighter and slightly smaller?" Yeah, agreed. agreed. People would freak out. They should. They, and those are the questions they should be asking. But what they are asking, because this is a it's a consumer survey. Would you like there to be more space? 
And, and, and as we as consumers who just like space to put stuff go, well, yeah. That's just a setup kind of question. So though. then the next time they make a car, they're like, you know what? If we can stretch it by an inch in every dimension. And then you take that over 10 generations. And guess what happens? The car is almost a foot bigger. Alex Maiden also asked, with cars getting larger year on year, from an Englishman's point of view, the roads aren't big enough for them to get any bigger. <laughs> is there a tipping point when they get smaller? Mm. It's the car that got bigger, and then they slot in the slightly smaller, lower That's price model. That's what really happens. That's yes. where they get you. Yep. But I, I hope that in the future they can be explored more because the cute little SUVs, CUVs, mm. are kind of the thing now. They're all, they're all what hatchbacks should be, except raised. But yeah. think of future electric SUVs and electric cars and that kind of thing. You can package them differently. Yeah, so hopefully we sure. can bring the size down. Right about the time that the M3 becomes a seven-seater, we'll have something smaller. Yes. <laughs> then what is the M7? What is the seven-series? It's now a van. Racing limos. Okay, last question for me from Jared Rose 1. At what point do we stop caring about the amount of horsepower the Challenger makes? Ooh. Fighting words. That was months ago. Just kidding. Mo- Mopar people have pitchforks in their hands <laughs> yeah. right now. Be careful. He stopped caring. He would rather they would make a lightweight, dedicated track model. And do we anticipate that happening before the Challenger rides off into the sunset in 2165? That's the year 2165. That's funny. I would love it, but Dodge has built a brand and a name and an entire image on big. Yeah. And yeah, they, they really sell. have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. So I think it's going to be tough, even though I do think everybody could look at their products and think 95%. Yeah. Let's just uh, think 95% of what that is for the next one. Mazda did it brilliantly with the ND Miata. Yes. The fourth gen yes. Miata suddenly gets smaller and it became even better. Last question for me, and that is the Jason Bell on Instagram says, would you shy away from a 2015 stock Scion FRS with 60,000 miles for 13K? <laughs> Why would you shy away from that car? If you want Low it, hanging fruit. If you want it, that's not very many miles. It's stock, which means nothing's been done to it. 13K is a decent price. And I think, why not? Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. We hope you enjoy the TV episodes, the new one, and the prior ones that are airing on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Let us know your comments, however you feel like you'd like to get a hold of us. We'd love to see your comments and your feedback. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.